You're listening to a medical miscellany, a curious casebook of brilliant discoveries, scientific advances, bizarre cures, and some downright quackery. Dr. Peter Kay and Sean Aita. Episode 10, Plagues and Pestilence. Hi there, Pete. How are you today? Hi, Sean. Good to be back. Yes, good to see you. And this is, I believe, our final podcast in the first series of right, a, wow, med- that's good. a medical miscellany. Yeah, brilliant. That means we've done ten, right? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, so this will be number ten. Mm. And what are we gonna What are we gonna look at today? Well, we had a conversation. There's lots of things we could look at, but we we the idea of COVID rears its head, didn't it? And then we thought, well, maybe it's too soon to discuss COVID in depth in yeah. some ways. Yeah. And and then the the big influenza pandemic of 1918, which killed 50 million and was probably in some ways killed more than the First World War, which often gets forgotten, or not so much now, since COVID, it got reawoken, didn't it? It did, yeah. But then that started me thinking about other pandemics, really. Um, and, you know, the first pandemic that we, we know about, and then the, the other big pandemics, which were not due to viruses like influenza and COVID, they were due to bacteria. And they were almost certainly due to plague, or sometimes called the Black Death. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one, the first global pandemic, was the plague of Justinian, which was about 540 AD. And that was a horror, really. That was a real horror. Yeah. It's well documented by their historian, I think Procopius, the historian there. And uh, he gave us very, very grim details of what it was like. And it was horrendous. And it reminded me of, um, there were, you know, the rat, dead rats everywhere, dead bodies everywhere, bodies piling up, having to take roofs off buildings to pile the bodies up. They couldn't bury them fast enough. They put them in ships and pushed them out to sea. They just didn't know what to do with all the dead bodies. Everything was stinking. It was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Um, I mean, that start, that time, Istanbul, I think, had a population of about half a million. So this was in Constantinople, Istanbul. Mm, was yeah, it? that yeah. was where it, that was one of the many. Uh, you know, it was one of the cities that really hit, got hit hard. Yeah. But it went. It grumbled on for eight or nine years. And the thing about plague is it it's grumbled on for centuries. But the really big epidemics, big pandemics that spread right the way around the world. Were, were documented and they, it was spread by rats on ships absolutely in effect in weymouth near us uh, we're in dorset just in case anybody's interested in uh, the west of england there is a plaque on the dockyard there yeah that says that this was the place where the first cases of plague came, came to britain came, got in, in the 1300s yeah uh, in a little place called Melcombe Regis, well which done. was the um, yeah, yeah, that was the name of the port yeah. at that time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, all of the locals started dying, yeah. and apparently the ships were from France. So, uh, <laughs> so we blame the French. We blame the French absolutely, mm. and uh, yeah, and then it spread through mm. through mm. Britain and yeah. killed millions and millions of people. Yeah, and we knew you know there was it was known then it was something to do with rats because there's so many dead rats around because the the, the 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 disease kills the rats as well as humans and then as the rats are dying it's the fleas that are carrying it jump off transferring the blood from one animal to another yeah. jump off the rats and jump aboard humans or human clothing that's how it spreads but it took, it took a long time before that was realized that was what was happening yeah. and of course they didn't know they didn't know what was causing it it was just a complete nightmare and people presumably, um, you know, fleas would be carried in people's clothes. They yeah, would, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's reminded me that that book Albert is by Albert Camus. We, we, yeah, we, the we, plague. Yes, the plague. Yeah. And I, I seem to re- remember that reading that not so long ago, and it just again sort of image of absolute chaos and desperation, really, just not yeah. knowing what was causing it. Yeah. You know, after the plague of Justinian, which was, like I say, plague was endemic throughout throughout Europe and and Asia and Middle East, really, for, for all that time. But these great big episodes, and another big one, the Black Death in England, some people say that's what brought on the Renaissance, because the population was so decimated, cut down by a third, yeah. the people that were left were, were sort of, you know, wealthy and 
well, plenty of time to think. There was something yeah, interesting about that as far as the peasants were concerned, wasn't there? Because the peasants suddenly, their labour became valuable. And exactly. all of the, mm. um, the landowners who'd previously been able to um, treat their serfs like dirt mm. suddenly had to pay them a proper wage, yeah. and uh, yeah. or, otherwise they would just disappear and go and work for somebody else. So, although once you survive the Black Death, your life, quality of life probably quality improved. Quality of life a bit improved, definitely. For, for the majority of the population. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of uh, horrible persecution, particularly of Jewish people, those, and yes, uh, trying yes. to work out what, who was causing it or what was causing it, and nobody knew, of course. Well, actually, you know, my saying it was from a French um, I know that there were an awful lot of attacks on foreigners in London during the period of the yeah, plague. Yeah. Um, the Just kind being... of belief that, yes, they'd brought it with them and yeah, they were responsible yeah. for it. And then, of course, in Shakespeare's time, which we, we touched on before, in the sort of 16, early 1600s, there was a lot of plague around again and it mm. had a major impact on Shakespeare's life. Well, it certainly did. They shut the theatres every single time. Mm. And um, I actually did a play about the fact that when they shut those theatres, the English actors often went overseas, uh, went off to the Netherlands, to Poland, to Germany, and they went down uh, almost as far as Graz in Austria. Yeah. Uh, the Englischer Komödianten were really quite famous, oh. um, but presumably they were carrying the plague with them when they went. So, <laughs> Hopefully yeah, not. But who knows? Yes, who knows? Talking, you mentioned you mentioned it coming through clothing, and there's a very story, famous story of the village of Eam or Eam, E Y A M, the roses, yeah, um, in Derbyshire, where um, it spread out of London. So that the last big episode in in, in England was, was 1665, the Great Plague of London, followed by the, by the Great Fire of London, 1666. So yeah. some people think that's what wiped out all the rats and gave us a clean a clean start. Clean. But some yeah. uh, attracted down the, the the way it got to Eam, the village, was that um, cloth merchant had come with a trunk of cloth. I remember and, uh, that. Opened yes, it up yes. and the flea jump, a flea jumped out. Yeah. And it started to spread from house to house. And, you know, Shakespeare describes the only thing they could often do is board up the houses, lock the people in and let them die to try and stop them spreading it to anybody else, which is a yeah. pretty horrendous method of managing it. Yeah. The, vic- the vicar there enough, was... Actually, um, um, Shakespeare rarely mentions the plague. He mentions mm, it a couple of times. He mentions yeah. it in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Um, well, certainly a plague on both yeah, houses. Yeah, but not often, but, does he? Um, but he talks about, um, I think it's Friar John is held in place he doesn't deliver his letter because the infectious pestilence is raging mm. and mm. in that play as well we we get a um, an image of a doctor well not a doctor but an apothecary mm. a sort of sub doctor and uh, and learn some of those kind of cures and things that yeah. they had in those days like, and um, they carry, they often walked around with this great big funny beak on their nose uh, yeah you're full doctor, of full yeah. of herbs and aromatic things the spices yeah. to try and keep the plague away whatever they because they thought it might be coming through the air they assumed it was coming through the air so they, they these great big beaked yeah. masks on that they're they terrifying to look at Awful. aren't they they're really Terrible. yeah yeah they are aren't they halloween type thing yeah, yeah yeah really really must must have been a very very spooky time yeah macabre but going back to Eam, they were very brave really because the, the vicar there whose wife died amongst many others um said what we've got to do is lock the village up not let anybody in or out and that's what they did and they lost a third of the village yeah they died but what, what, one of the interesting things was that some households would have maybe sort of out of six people four would die one might be ill and one had no no effect so it was very um it wasn't it didn't sort of wipe out one whole household necessarily yeah some households escaped altogether um, so it was a very, very strange thing to understand, I think, as to why some people got it and some didn't. So some had an immunity to it. Possibly, yeah. What, mm. um, didn't I read somewhere that, that actually they did uh, some tests on the, the DNA or something and worked out that the, immune, uh, the immunity had carried on? Um, yeah, well, they, what they did was um, the DNA analysis of, the, of the, both 
of the bones from the Plague of Justinian and also of the Black Death, because recently with the crossrail oh. excavations oh, in London, right. they, they came across some plague yeah, pits. Yeah, yeah. And they did some, they found some, the teeth are the particularly good things for DNA because the enamel protects the DNA inside. And they found some DNA, amazingly enough, and heaven knows how they do this, which show that it was due to Yersinia pestis, the actual little bacteria that still causes plague, caused it then and caused it in the time of Justinian. So we know it was the same disease because wow. often in medical history before that, before that DNA um, confirmation, people would often say, well, how do we know it was the plague? It could have been anything, it might have been yeah. something else, but actually it really was the same the same disease. And the, the third big episode was in China in the sort of late 1800s, 1890, 95, hit Hong Kong. And this time we were read, medicine was ready because this was the age of bacteriology. And they were putting down yeah. everything to bacteria, <laughs> often things that weren't due to bacteria were put down to bacteria, things like nutritional deficits like pellagra. pellagra. They, they, everyone saw that was bacteria before some brave doctor decided to prove it wasn't by swallowing little bits of oh, disgusting we, bits and pieces off the patients. Here we go from our uh, self-experimenting. Self yeah. But anyway, it, it was the age of bacteria, so they were ready. And a chap called uh, Alexander Yersin Alexander found, the, found the actual organism from the rats and the bodies uh, all over the place in Hong Kong and proved that that's what was causing it. But it was still three years later before somebody else realised it was being transmitted by the fleas. So mm -hmm. that was when the pattern, the, what said, we said, a natural history of the disease became apparent um, and of course once you understand the natural history of the disease you start to have a clue about how to stop it and in fact the Yersinia responds very easily to antibiotics so it's, it's very easily cured now with antibiotics. That is incredible isn't it? I spent some time uh, recently in Dubrovnik and discovered that they had the first ever quarantine system there. Ah. They invented it. Uh, there's this place called the Lazzaretto, which is right. almost like a sort of prison. It looks... Uh, um, some leprosy, wasn't it, Lazzaretto? Yes, absolutely, yes. Mm. I think it was a leper colony originally, mm. maybe. I'm, I, I don't even know the history of it accurately, but I know that they put the sailors, uh, when they were travelling, into this space, the Lazzaretto, and left them there yeah. for 40 days and 40 nights. Quaranta journey. Quaranta journey. We get the word quarantine from. Exactly 40 that. days. Yeah, and they tried, also the ships had to stay off port for 40 days. They tried 30 and it didn't seem to be enough, so they put it up to 40. So they had to wait around before they were allowed to come in, just hovering around, a bit like we had in the bay here over the... Uh, uh, yeah, over the, the pandemic. Yeah. pandemic, we had ships floating in the bay here, yeah. the same, yeah. floating offshore, waiting to come in. So... We, we, so we started with, maybe maybe we should move on to COVID another time. We've all been through this now with this. We've all experienced a pandemic. We probably didn't expect, didn't expect to experience in our own lifetimes. Uh, you know, that, I mean, the whole world, really, everybody in the whole world had the same concern about masks and social distancing and hand washing. And, and before the brilliant scientists got together and, and discovered the vaccines or created the vaccines, we were all doing the same, exactly the same as they did in, in, in the 1918 uh, flu epidemic. They had the same yeah. same concerns, the same worries. But that was different because it was very vicious and it affected young people. And yes, the, the mortality yes, rate right. was much higher. They used to die within a day or two. Whereas Covid was um, very infectious, but it wasn't quite as severe in terms of each individual. It's strange the way these pandemics seem to... I mean, you were talking about the fact that some people are immune, some people react more or less um, well to, um, you know, to the infection, and that young people should be affected so badly in the, mm. um, in the 1418 flu epidemic. Yeah. Is, yeah. Know, it's very strange. They were young and strong and seemingly well yeah. and they were yeah. the ones that were taken. Well it moves on to that moves us on to the complexity of the immune system. Our oh. immune system which is I mean, it makes me think of, for example, meningococcal meningitis, which is one of the di diagnoses that GPs dread missing because a child can go from very well to very sick in a very short time. Yeah. 
and you look out for these very characteristic purple blotches on the skin and we do a glass test you know if you press it with a, a glass and if it, if it stays purple yeah. it doesn't blanch you worry you worry there's a, there's a, a blood vessel damage in the skin uh-huh. and that's very can be very serious a sign of meningococcal but but it's a rare you know although it's for the kids for the children that get it it's very very dangerous and often can be fatal very quickly most children don't get it so you know although we've, we've now got a vaccine to prevent it we're, we're looking we're we're treating the, the most of the population to, to protect the minority of people who do get it for the reasons we don't yet understand there must be some kind of difference with their immune system that enables that particular organism to get into their body oh well, i was going to ask you about the plague pits and the black death is is there no hazard to the people who dig up those plague pits of the possibility of them catching something from the bodies or the no, because they're not living organisms anymore. The, the bacteria is no longer living. It's the, it's the DNA molecule uh, okay. uh, from, the, from the bacteria. So they're not, no longer infectious. And presumably then this bacteria lives somewhere and can be transported to places by some living creature. So yeah. is it still it, out there waiting for us? Yeah, that's, that raises the issue of the, the, what's called the reservoir. All these things start off in an animal reservoir. And that's COVID, uh, of course, started <coughs> off in an animal reservoir. Animals have them. And because we mix particularly in Wuhan we mix so freely with animals yeah. sometimes they they jump across the most of the infectious diseases they, they they reckon sort of started around about the same time that agriculture started with towns springing up oh, people living more with so cattle and dogs and animals in, yeah. and then and then getting more likely to get infectious diseases yeah um, because they come from somewhere they usually come from an animal reservoir yeah same with aids which started off in monkeys in africa we think well certainly a medieval peasant lived in the same house with his pig with his cow mm. you know mm. all of that yeah the living conditions were rife for yeah, it yeah, yeah they were, absolutely yeah, right yeah. wasn't it good okay well we've reached just about the end of our 10th podcast Pete they seem to zip by don't they I know yeah. well, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to doing another 10 absolutely so am I one day we'll see you then see you then so Pete and I would like to thank you for joining us for the first series of a medical miscellany please feel free to get in touch and let us know if there's anything special you'd like to hear about in series 2